This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, everybody? Um, so how was your week, man? It's been good. A uh, bit, bit crazy, but been good week. Yeah, that's good, man. It's good. You? It's been all right. Um, been a bit busy. Um, got my new home. Yeah, and that's nice. Yeah, so I've been uh, remodeling and stuff, so it's been a lot of fun, but... Um, also incredibly busy. Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. So talk to us a bit about um, about your sermon for this week. Yeah, so we looked at this text in Mark where it's the end of chapter 6, and it's right after the famous story where Jesus walks on water. Yeah. And everybody kind of knows that story, right? Right. Kind of don't forget when a dude walks on water. Now... I did see uh, a video today of a guy being pulled on a, like mm-hmm. he was skiing or mm-hmm. something behind a, a ski boat and he was using the pressure of his water, of the water as he's pulling and started doing push-ups on the water. <laughs> I was like, okay, there's something new here, but oh my gosh. <laughs> Jesus wasn't using the momentum of a boat. <laughs> so, but, so we just finished like we come out of this text and they get off the water. Okay. So they get out of the boat and I just, I got to imagine this is a pretty wild experience for the disciples. Yeah. Like they've spent, I mean, they've seen for just chapter over chapter over chapter, Jesus doing these crazy miracles, but like a dude walking on water. Come on, man. That's something like, that's crazy. Yeah. Like never before. Yeah. And so I got to imagine the disciples are a bit shooketh after this. (laughs) Shooketh. Yeah, shooketh. And so when it picks up in verse 53, which where our sermon was, it says, when they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored the boat. So they pulled up, they they get off the boat. When they got out of the boat, people at once recognized him. Now this, I think we've talked about it before on on this podcast, but like the fact that Jesus is recognized, um, says a lot about who he was, because you got to think this is an ancient time. They don't have photographs. They don't have social media. They don't have the internet. They don't have the television. They don't even have radio. Like they have nothing, no way to record someone's image unless they've traveled around and seen him or, maybe by who he's with, just they show up, people begin to talk about him. It's like word begins to spread like, oh, hey, Jesus has made it to town. But like, that's pretty telling of who he is that like people recognize him. Um, we I think we often think of Jesus as like, because we read the stories where it's like, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, wait, isn't that the carpenter's son? Like, we read these stories about how Jesus is a nobody. Mm. Um, but Jesus is polarizing. I mean, yeah. Jesus is a somebody. Yeah. 
even even just the man Jesus doing these things is a somebody. Uh, people recognize him immediately when he shows up on scene, and they do things that like nobody would do, like under any other circumstance. It says in verse fifty-five, and people, uh, sorry, and rushed about the whole region and began to bring the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. So you gotta you gotta imagine this story, right? Jesus has a mission. He's going somewhere. And so Jesus gets off the boat and he's going down his agenda, but people begin to hear that he's in town, and so they rush, they go get their sick. Remember in the ancient world sick there was a whole lot of like stipulations about what you could do with sick. So if, if your sick was a leper, like they, they have their own community, like they got to get out. If your sick is paralyzed, right, they might be in some other part. They may be at your home. So you have to stop what you're doing when you hear that Jesus is in town and you got to go get your sick. And then you got to go on the hunt for Jesus because it says uh, – they brought they bring their sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. So it's like you, can you imagine like trying to follow this dude around? Uh almost like paparazzi. It's like, "Oh, have you have you seen this dude named Jesus?" Yeah, dude, he's just here like 15 minutes ago healing all these people. Oh, well, where is he now? Well, he just went that way. <laughs> like, "Oh, man, thanks. Let's pick our paralyzed family member up and walk along and try to catch up to him, right?" Like they're chasing this dude around town because of who he is. Right. And that's, that's something that I think that we miss in these stories is you can make up, um, you can understand a whole lot about how someone viewed Jesus or what they thought about Jesus based on how they act when they're around him. And these people put their entire day their entire schedule, all of their agenda, put the whole thing on pause to chase Jesus around a city for their sick. Mm. That speaks volumes about what people expected of him. Yeah. That in the ancient world where most of these people are pretty poor, right. I mean, we, we don't think about economy in the same way that the ancient world did because we have tiers of society right so we have the you know the low you know super poor impoverished people then we have like the low working class mid working class upper working class lower middle class Mm -hmm. middle class upper middle class then we have like decently wealthy then we have just exuberant amounts of wealth right Right, so we have all these tiers that you could fit into. In the ancient world, you were broke or you were loaded. Like there wasn't anything really in between. Um, it just kind of the way it was. I mean, you either worked for someone or you were someone that had people that worked for you. Right. Uh, and that was a big gap between those two. And so for people to stop doing what they're doing means they're losing whole days worth of wages, potentially their job. I mean, they're putting their life, their livelihood at risk to chase Jesus around mm. because of what they've recognized and identified him as 
which is a restorer of people. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, when you think about this greater context, what it means for someone, because remember, Jesus walks on the water, and they show up to him, at, and he does this at night. Mm-hmm. Right. Remember, they think he's a ghost. Right. So they've traveled overnight. They're showing up in the early part of the day. Yeah. Probably first light. Yeah. They're getting off. And as people are moving about starting their day. Right. They hear about this and they stop everything to go back and get their sick and then chase him around the day. He's not he's not coming into the city announcing like, hey, I'm going to be right outside the temple healing you all to upset the Pharisees. Like he's not saying I'm going to be right outside the synagogue. Like I'm not going to be in the center of the marketplace. Like he's going somewhere. He's doing something. Yeah. And so they got to go, they got to try to track him down and follow him because they know that he's a restorer of people. That's what you've, that's the Jesus we've seen for six chapters Yeah. is that Jesus is a restorer of people. You know, there, there's something to be said there that, we should also be willing to to risk our livelihood um, to follow Jesus. Yeah, I think, um, or to yeah. So, well, to, for the we, sacrifice, you know. Yeah, well, we need to clarify that. Yeah, because uh, following is an action of disciples, right? But just because you followed didn't make you a disciple. Right. Right. So as these people are following and tracking Jesus, that doesn't necessarily mean they're they're disciples. They're following right, Jesus. Right, right, right. It means they're looking, they're seeking. Right. Um but I do think it speaks volumes that this this does say that we should be willing to put everything out there to experience restoration. Yeah. Um <clears throat> Because we don't, as we talked about last time, last uh, week, uh, with the healing of the man with the withered hand, um, I think so often we put restoration in a box, right? And God doesn't operate according to our box, yeah. And so we miss restoration, uh, and so because of that, we've built our life systems and structures so detailed that. Truly experiencing restoration would be an inconvenience because it messes up the plan we have for our lives. Right. We are so busy and tied to our busyness, our life structure, and the things that we do that genuine restoration is inconvenient. Yeah. And that is a crying shame. Um, because if if there's one thing that we can identify at least from Mark's Jesus the way that Mark tells who Jesus is it's that Jesus he is a restorer of people and not only is he a restorer of people he oozes restoration yeah like restoration just comes out of him look at this in verse 56 And wherever he went into villages or cities or farms, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak and all who touched it were healed. So this is pretty amazing if you stop and think about this. Jesus is going around and he's traveling about. And these people are going, and 
it says they're tra- that he goes from city to city, village to village, farm to farm, like wherever he goes. So understandably, some of these people may be following or trying to catch up to Jesus for multiple days. Right. And then having to go back to their life. Um, they're really putting it out there to experience restoration. Like yeah. restoration is something that is sought. But when you seek it, it's easy to experience because once they find him, he oozes restoration at a level that all they have to do is touch his cloak. Yeah. Like, I think that is crazy levels of restoration. Um, you know, we see a number of stories in the Gospels where Jesus heals people through touch or, or he grabs them and raises them up. Right. Or where he prays for them or speaks them um, to be healed. But then yet again, we also see these levels of the outcasts, the marginalized people of society, where they're not even a high enough status in society to get like undivided attention from most people. Right. So they lurk in the background of the picture. And so the best they can do is try to touch the hem of his cloak. And, and think about this. People that are in a position to touch his cloak that's like next to his arm or next to his hip or his back, they're in a position in society that they can call his name. They can get his attention. But the ones that are trying to touch his cloak, think about it. They're crawling on the ground. They've said like, okay, uh, I'm at such a low status in society that the best I can do is crawl around on the ground and try to touch his cloak. Think about the woman as Jesus is entering the city and she, the woman that's hemorrhaging blood, she reaches out and touches his cloak and he doesn't even know he's walking through a crowd of people. Right. And he says, who, who touched me? I, I felt the power leave me. It's like, Oh, okay. So he didn't even know that, like he was actively healing this person. Mm. But he looks at her and says, your faith has made, you. has made you well. And so it's like, Jesus is someone who is a restorer of people and oozes restoration. Yeah. But it takes a matter of faith. It, it takes a matter of commitment. Um, and sacrifice. Yeah. And sacrifice. Um, and self-awareness. Mm, yeah. um, I mean, very easily, these same people, uh, the Pharisees, could have reached out and touched his cloak. Right. Um, and they do at his arrest. Right? But it's not... And, and here's the point, one of the things that I want you to, to see here, is it's not the action you do that gains you restoration. Right. It's the heart you have in seeking restoration. Yeah. Um, these people could have done any action um, and been healed because of the position of their heart, the, the heart they have that's seeking restoration. But they just chose to touch his cloak. Um, and when they do, they're healed. And I, this is pretty crazy 
when you think about this because it says um wherever he went marketplaces cities whatever that they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak and all who touched it were healed yeah and i think that's important because number 1 Jesus is not limited in how many people he can restore. Anyone seeking restoration can experience restoration. Like there's no limit. Jesus is not limited by quantity. Mm -hmm. However, Jesus is limited by quality. Right. The quality of your heart, the quality of your faith does dictate how this turns out. And so all of them who touched it are healed. Jesus is not limited by the quantity of people seeking restoration. And to another experience, all who have placed themselves in positions to be healed, to be restored, received healing and restoration. But they had to get there. Right. They had to put themselves in the position to meet Jesus, to be restored. It took action, it took initiative, it took will to overcome, to get to the place where you could meet Jesus. But when you did, you were healed. I mean, there's another story that I love that uh, goes kind of a long line with this. And uh, one of the places where I'm getting a lot of my thoughts about how I'm interpreting this passage is... When Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law, if you remember that story, Jesus shows up and heals Peter's mother-in-law from the fever, and um, heals Jesus' mother-in-law from this fever, and then like word just gets out. So a bunch of people just start bringing them to Peter's house and like Jesus just steps outside and starts healing people. Like when Jesus starts healing and restoring people, it's an action that he loves to do. And he's not afraid of And that's the thing. That's the other part I was going to say. He's not afraid of the type of person that needs healing. Like in the ancient world, everyone is afraid of the sick and the marginalized. Like nobody touches lepers. Like nobody messes with people who are paralyzed. Uh, Because you just think about like somebody who's paralyzed now without proper cleaning and things or like someone who's bedridden, they get bed sores. Like anytime someone bleeds... Like, in the ancient world, that's a big deal. Yeah. So, and we don't think these things, because like we have hygiene, and we, we have these other things that are pretty common to us. Um, but, like, in the ancient world, they don't have all of these things. Like, they don't have full access to running water. They don't have modern medicine. And so, like, even simple things like paralyzed people come with um, extra things that make their condition even worse. Right. Um, And so, but Jesus is not afraid of them. Like, in fact, 
we see Jesus speaking healing over a lot of people, but we often see him intentionally touching lepers mm. to heal them. Because like Jesus is not afraid of you. Jesus is not afraid of your problems. Jesus is not afraid of what you've done, yeah. your past, what's got you to this point. Jesus is delighted by your heart and your faith that you want to be restored. Yeah. And so all, all who come to him with that heart in that position are healed. And that, for me, that is amazing to see this quality in Jesus, that people saw him as a restorer of people, and he was not limited by the quantity of people that were in need of restoration, and any level of person could come to him in a position of faith and just touch his cloak and be healed. Man, that's insane. It's pretty wild. It, it's it's beautiful too. Um, I mean, when you when you really think about it, um, people who need assistance today, um, lots of times can't get it because they are marginalized. Um, yeah, and and Jesus didn't care about any of that. Even way back when, when the the um, when the, the power structure was so different, right? Yeah. Um, Jesus didn't care. Jesus is not bound by our societal structures, our power structures. Um, and he also doesn't operate according to our rules. Yeah. Um, honestly, like nobody should be healed by a cloak. Mm. Like it's, it's, that's not what it should do. But it's not about the cloak. Right. It's about the person behind the cloak. Yeah. It's about the authority and the power of Jesus, the restorer who's wearing the cloak. Right. Um, we look at it and go, man, there's just a cloak. It just identifies you in social class. It it, you know, keeps you warm. It's just a cloak. It's not supposed to heal people. Yeah. But God heals people in supernatural ways because restoration is a supernatural act. Mm. 